0: Cheers. Yeah.
1: This is Rangers Flame, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. This is actually our little Halloween episode, and we, we decided to do something a little different. Uh, we, we decided to kind of do a round table discussion. Uh, we're joined by freelance editor and semi retired podcast, formerly host of Rankin Vile, uh, Lillian Boyd. Hello. Hi. How's it going? And sadly couldn't be with us, cartoonist and chef Emma Hobois. uh, Her computer just kept acting up, but we send your love, Emma. We send you love. And uh, this is uh, for a roundtable discussion around Jordan Peele's Nope.
0: So this movie, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah,
3: Yeah, it's a lot, right? So wait, uh, when did you? um, Did either of you guys uh, see this uh, when it was uh, when it was in theaters or like when it came out?
2: i Uh, didn't like i didn't see it until like after it like hit digital mm -hmm. and i fully regret not going to theaters to see it
1: yeah we didn't we're kind of kurt worked at a movie theater and hates going to movies uh Mm -hmm. movie theaters unless he absolutely wants to and i i think this was one of the ones that we like regret not going to see in the movie theater but i am glad that he does have like a movie theater like set up at home
3: oh yeah see i i the last uh, i have not been in a movie theater uh since Do you guys want to know what the last movie i saw in theater was it's 2019
1: oh my goodness oh, uh, wow
3: that was uh and that was in 2019 and then uh COVID happened and i haven't been back since and i think that was um i was maybe salty about the fact that this was for a while like in theaters only no nope. right and yeah I, it was just kind of like I mean I'm too paranoid to go into a theater, but like yeah, when it dropped on digital, like this is one of those movies that I mean, I, I assume um both of you guys have seen uh Get Out and Us. I've seen I've se-
2: Get
1: Out, I haven't seen Us. Yeah. Ah, okay. I was several years late on Get Out.
2: <laughs> Same here.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. That was one of those movies that like I got to I, I I saw Get Out at um a matinee showing at a little theater in Burbank in like 2017. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It was such a great movie to like watch in theaters that like I feel like Nope would have blown the top of my skull off if I would seen it in theaters because of well let, let's get into it so this is I, I feel like uh, Mad Spielbergian on on the movie's part
1: yeah it's like it's it's like a kaiju movie like done almost like a Spielberg style like I, a lot of Spielberg like homages I think Kurt kind of like pointed out that it's definitely like a, a pastiche of a spielberg movie it's tra- you know mm-hmm. it's it's its own unique version of a spielberg movie and it's invoking everything of it but it's like you know it's by jordan peele <laughs>
2: it's yeah, uh, yeah yeah i saw yeah. somebody the other day on like blue sky one of my mutuals talking about like how like f- there's no sense of wonder in films the way kind of spielberg would do it with like you know jurassic park or even like uh, some of his earlier films but it's also just like no kind of qualifies but the wonder just quickly turns into terror
1: you know you know yeah. you know what it's close encounters you know after you got past the deduction scene it was just a horror from there yeah
3: yeah well and especially um it makes sense to me that i people would want to go super spielberg with this movie because like so much of this movie is about entertainment as spectacle yeah mm-hmm. and- you know, sort of, just how huge it sort of has to be at a certain point. Um, and honestly, like, it's a thing that. Um, so I'm gonna take this opportunity to talk shit about Jurassic World. Um, Go ahead. Because <laughs> so those 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 movies are all dog shit all the way through, every single one of them. Um, and I think one of the things that drives me crazy about um, I actually went back and rewatched uh, Jurassic World a couple of weeks ago, and I somehow hated it even more this time, and I realized that, like, one of the big things about it that drives me fucking crazy is that, you know, the original Jurassic Park, which that movie is fucking obsessed with, um, that movie has actual, like, wonder in it, mm-hmm. and, you know, the characters are like, oh my god, like, even though they're, you know, getting their shit wrecked by dinosaurs, they you know, you still get that moment of, like, fucking, you know, brachiosaurus, and they, you know, they they get to have that moment of, like, sort of you know shock and then in the new one it's just like you know a bunch of kids being like whatever i'm sick of tyrannosaurus rexes and it's just like there's no there there really is like a huge lack of wonder in movies now mm-hmm.
1: yeah Uh i i definitely kind of agree with that like even jaws had it was kind of a it, it, like the vibes like jaws like it's horror but you're kind of enthralled and in wondered by it mm-hmm. uh, yeah jaws was like one of the first like horror movies that i've watched because i'm a i i was always a big weenie
3: (laughs) oh yeah yeah fuck yeah
1: so it was my 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 gateway more it was one of my gateways uh along with like the alien movies and stuff so you know there's this this very big blockbuster uh feel to jaws and it it set that Mm -hmm. precedent and yeah you just it just feels like paint by numbers and going through the motions of it you know of making a blockbuster movie and this one actually felt like a blockbuster movie like you're entrenched in the world there's kind of a sense of eerie wonderment of what goes on in that first half you know Mm -hmm.
2: yeah like you know something is just off but you don't know what yeah yeah you don't know what it is quite yet yeah
3: yeah, well, and especially because he's doing the Jaws thing of, and and for very different reasons. Because, of course, the reason that there wasn't that much of the actual shark in Jaws is because, like, the kept shitting the bed and dying and breaking. Yeah, and- yeah
1: like the, the shark was like the shark had animat- What was it? the animatronic was not working well in salt water.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, which um, one of the actors' sons, like the main actor's sons, were just. Is- he wrote a play about the making of Jaws and the fact that the shark kept breaking down. And like it's running on Broadway right now.
1: Beautiful. Ben. Um, Fantastic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I cannot remember. Cool. It was like Michael Quinn's son, I think.
1: Okay, not the shitty one.
2: No, I don't I don't know. <laughs> not Ben Dreyfus. No, 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 not Ben Dreyfus. Oh. Not no no <laughs> the family's involved in this as far as I know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Ben Ben Dreyfus is a, a truly wretched little guy. <laughs> is, but like the first half of Nope, you know, you don't really see what's going on so much. Like you get sort of, you know, Keith David getting impaled in the eye with a, you know, the coin, and there's so much restraint on the movie's part until you get the Jean Jackets like properly showing up.
1: And one of the things I noticed on the second time watching it is you do see Jean Jack at the beginning. But you you're not gonna register that's Jean Jacket because you're know you're hearing like the the infamous Gordy's house episode playing in the background, and you're you know, but and you're also hearing all the screams, and you're actually hearing the screams of the hikers mixed with the audio of what happened on that episode.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: but you're you're kind of like you, you feel like you're viewing through like a screen. But when you rewatch it, you realize that is Jean Jacket's eye, mouth, cloaca.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
2: that's, yeah. That, well, that, that, yeah. <laughs> you
3: know, well, and, like, like, the feeling that you're watching it at a remove like that, it's a thing that, okay, so, uh, full disclosure, the first time that I saw Nope, I, 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 as soon as the credits rolled, I was, it was a big sort of, huh, moment, where it was like, I don't know how I feel about that movie. And I feel like it's a movie that really fucking lends itself to rewatches because yeah. this time around, I was like super aware of like how much of, you know, Stephen Ewan's character, like Jupe, like the fact that he when he's talking about the the Gordy's home experience that he fucking lived through an experience, he's not even talking about what actually happened. He he does it through the lens of, oh, there was an SNL sketch with fucking Chris Kattan playing Gordy
1: yeah and yeah that, that was oh. that was something i noticed and like he just talk, kind of talked about the actions through what chris Kattan did and mm-hmm. it's just like oh this is so creepy like he doesn't even want to fully acknowledge what happened
3: yeah and it's incredible because it's like this is somebody who has sort of fully embraced entertainment as dissociation mm-hmm. because- yeah you know, with like, you know, with with uh, Duke's entire sort of you know operation, there's an artificiality to it that's like that's load bearing artificiality. Like he can't, mm-hmm. he went, went through a horrific experience that like now he has to have everything sort of through the lens of entertainment. Even yeah. if even if nothing else in this movie worked, the, the 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 Gordy's home scene is I think one of the tensest scenes I've ever seen in a movie
2: oh god yeah. yeah like i the oh. first time i watched it even the second time i was just like oh my god even though i know what's going to happen but oh, i think because it's especially mm-hmm. because it's like just part of and i'm i feel like i am going to go come back to the sound design a lot in the movie because it's honestly fucking immaculate but mm-hmm. like the just the the sounds of that scene watching it the second time around is just like oh oh especially with yeah. like the Cause like the caption, like, like I had the closed captioning on when I was rewatching it and just mm-hmm. the caption flesh squelching just made it worse.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Whoa. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's fuck. it's fucking rough. And then like the ending of it with the little fist bump and then the, you know, like Gordy getting, you know, shot mm-hmm. like that was, I, I, I think, yeah. Watching that scene and that sort of being the guiding principle for like, you know, people... I mean, because you, of course, you contrast it with Lucky the Horse um, getting spooked on set and, you know, clicking, you know, whatever was nearby. And I just love the idea that this is about how entertainment is kind of not built for human life or any life. Like, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, like, something interesting I really was thinking about it watching it this time around was the fact that, like, it's so specifically focused on... And, and maybe this is just on my brain because of the current like wga and sag strikes of just like how much mm-hmm. this is about working class people in the industry
0: yeah yeah because
2: and especially for like a job like animal handling is kind of becoming like the special like it's becoming less and less because so many people are just like oh well we can just fix it in post we can do vfx and yeah. like you would see them roll yeah. in that like fake horse, like behind like OJ when he's talking to the director. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, fuck. And yeah, oh,
1: God, one of the things I definitely also liked about that scene is just like the prior to it is none of them were actually listening to OJ because no. it's like, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. why, why, like, who cares? It's an animal, like, whatever. And mm-hmm. well, 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 if the animal does something we will fix it in post. Yeah. Probably, and then like
2: there's probably oh, something
1: racial about it as well.
2: Yeah. There's also the bit of like I didn't fully clock it the last time, but like when the one uh production assistant is basically like, uh, where's the other guy? And the the other one just goes, Dude, he died. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the way he said it, like it, it's it kind of just had a bit of a dark humor edge to it that I just I couldn't help but laugh.
3: I mean, like, yeah, Well, because the, yeah. because the guy isn't like, oh my god, I'm so sorry for your loss or whatever. He's just like, oh Jesus, okay. Like he just <laughs> okay. it's like he has got something on his hands that he wanted to wipe off. Like he he's so Hey, well, and it's also funny when you when you contrast like OJ specifically, how fucking uncomfortable he is. Like he is super comfortable with horses and hanging out with horses and doing doing his work. Um and it's just Daniel Kaluuya's performance as OJ is fucking incredible because of, like, how well he captures the feeling of, like, social, not even social anxiety, because I don't think he's socially anxious, he's just, like, socially avoidant, like, he doesn't, he doesn't really want to be there, he doesn't really want to talk to people, Um, and it's just, there's this thing of, like, one of the most harrowing parts of that scene is when there's a moment of no music, no sound, Uh, From OJ's POV looking out at the little abyss of cameras and people staring at him.
1: Yeah. uh, uh,
3: Blood freezing.
1: Yeah. And I also like the way they kind of were like, oh, where's the other guy? Like they didn't want OJ there was like another thing I noticed. And. But yeah, like, talking about it is, like, kind of social avoidance. He only starts looking people in the eye after he gets to know you and even talks to you more. I noticed that, like, when he started talking more, like, he knew uh, Ricky or Jupe for a while, so he could actually make eye contact with him and talk to him, even though that was, like, a professional relationship. Eventually, he gets comfortable around Angel and um, hmm. Hoist. I-, I think I'm mispronouncing uh the cinematographer's name holst oh yeah Hulst, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And holst and so you know he definitely has that so- he definitely feels very socially avoidant though i think he also can catch on better than his sister <laughs>
2: sometimes yeah uh, no, I, one detail i kind of liked about that and yeah, i noticed it more this other time around is that he definitely communicates with other people the same way he'll communicate with his horses yeah because like yeah. there's you not know, there's that one part where like Angel is like adjusting the camera to move upward, and like instead of just saying "Can you move it up," he's like clicking his tongue, like
3: yeah, like and pointing yeah.
2: him move the camera up. And then like so the, he's like
3: yeah. he's 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 horse coded, like he's everything <laughs> he does in his day is related to him hanging out with horses.
1: Yeah, that like that kind of comes to play at the end when he is. You know, when he is trying to get Gene Jacket's attention, he, you know, Mm -hmm. he's been avoiding Gene Jacket's, you know, eye contact because he knows, you know, that what that's what makes the the monster eat you. And Mm -hmm. he looks not only straight at Gene Jacket and that like viewpoint screen of an eye. uh, Mm -hmm. He also looks very like he's doing an intimidation look you know whereas priorly when yeah. he looked down he was scared and everything he's a flat on intimidating jean jacket with just a mm-hmm. stare
3: you know and i'm like oh Man. shit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well and also speaking of jean jacket okay so i'm i'm not uh, obviously as sort of well versed in tokusatsu and sort of uh, sort of big you know uh, monster movies that are like if like as a specifically sort of um I don't know, like what how, how does how does Jean Jacket sort of fit into the into the Toku pantheon? Uh to me, uh I'm
1: mean, gonna refer to Jean Jacket as a she, but uh mm-hmm. she's definitely I feel she definitely kind of has that kaiju feel. Uh there's definitely mm-hmm. influences from uh the angels from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, for oh sure. yeah and considering that they were mostly influenced by kaiju monsters particularly ultraman kaiju monsters yeah you know, oh yeah there's this kind of like here's this big monster who's also a metaphor for something destructive i mean we all know like godzilla's that metaphor for like that anger and also like the horror that a nuclear bombs being dropped on japan brought to the to to mm. them Whereas like- Which is the reason
3: there's never been a good American Godzilla, by the way.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. They- Godzilla's about the characters and Godzilla the character. Um... Well,
3: no, you could just do a big fucking lizard and it's basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Uh... Although I got to tell you, as a total side note, 1998, way more watchable than Godzilla 2014. Oh, oh, God, I'm goodness. still like... mad
2: that I paid to see Godzilla 2014 in theaters and like, the, the one, ugh. The only part that was worth it seeing at theaters was the last 20 fucking minutes. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Like, I, how are you going to have a Godzilla movie with, like, so little Godzilla? Like, I'm not yeah. here for anybody but my boy Godzilla. What are we doing?
1: Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, even in the first one, where, you know, you, you, I would say compared to other Godzilla movies, he doesn't show up as much. He's still an mm-hmm. ever-present thing. <laughs> like, even yeah. when he's not in frame, everyone's like, fuck, Godzilla's gonna fuck with us <laughs>
3: yeah exactly
1: yeah i was about to say like uh there's definitely kind of that also kaiju as like a metaphor um uh, like we've talked about like fame and hollywood like kind of destroying you i that was mm-hmm. something i i caught second time because i knew like the I uh, i call it the eye oh, cloaca mouth because it's it's also like where jean jacket sucks you up and eats you and uh mm-hmm. also where jean jacket um Squeezes whatever, you know, an organic thing that was on you out. So it's.
3: Yeah. Well, and also, so it's a combination mouth, cloaca, and camera lens. Yeah. Because, like, to me, it's like if you you look into it and it just, like, it's about sort of the camera will eat you.
1: Yeah. And, but I kind of also thought of it like this of because of that viewpoint, viewport lens is where you kind of come into it. But it's also like a screen because that was something I noticed you know when i watched the beginning of that movie is it's also kind Mm -hmm. of a screen and the screen is what spits you back out right you know yeah
2: i i like that when it's pushing in and out because i feel like that's like part of like when you have to consider that jean jacket is less of an intelligent alien species and more of just like a predator animal
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and it's
2: like I feel like that, like, that kind of that flashing of, like, the, the, the mouth cloacas, like, eye screen definitely felt like, you know, something that when you watch particular, like, predator-related, um, like, documentaries of, like, nature documentaries. And it's, like, trying to, like, I feel like that's, like, it's a little enticement, like, angle. Like, you know, how the anglerfish mm-hmm. will have, like, the little, little uh, like, the little um, bioluminescent, like thing hanging off of its head so i feel like that's how Mm -hmm. it draws in its prey in a particular way which just adds another layer to the metaphor you know yeah
3: oh yeah yeah completely i also really appreciate that um jean jacket's innards like i don't know if you guys saw the behind the scenes thing about kind of how they 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 did the effects in this i love that they went fully practical with Um, oh, yeah, the like, Jean jackets, conveyor like,
2: belt, like, kind
3: of. Yeah. yeah like conveyor belt and just a bunch of just, bleh, like, I, my only, I think my only complaint about it, I wanted it to be goopier. Like, I, I wanted, I and maybe that's just me being, like, disgusting with horror movies, but I, <laughs> with just, like, with sort of the big billowing, you know, tube that people are getting, you know, sucked into and devoured, like, we could have really gooped it up with that. And I, I that's, the, that's the only thing that I'm kind of, like. Come on, where's the goop? But that, I love I love how much how much the images from this will stick in your brain. Oh like, yeah. So yeah. many of the visuals are just instantly fucking memorable.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Just fully. And like I said, with the sound design, uh as well, because there's just so much of it that like the way that you'll hear the screaming until like it just suddenly just stops. And there's like a squish. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> And it's like mm, mm,
0: mm. That
3: oh yeah
2: is just as horrifying as anything you're actually watching on the screen or you know the well, screen when the yeah. screaming
1: is traveling like oh. it's getting closer and closer but like with OJ, oh, it's getting further away oh yeah,
3: yeah. oh yeah well and especially with like um ricky's death where he gets you know sucked up by jane jacket like he i don't know like initially the, the first time that i watched this i kind of thought Boy, like, did did Nope waste a Stephen Yoon performance? And a, I don't think it wasted it at all. And then b, I'm kind of like, I was bummed that he wasn't in a lot of this movie, but it to me it was really ballsy to kill him when it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Right. He was like definitely one of those like characters. That's something I really did appreciate. We can kind of go more into what Ashley's talking about, but he's there's like. You know, Ricky Oda Sr. and Holst are like these characters that feel very part of the fabric of this world and very much affected everything there. But they're not as much in it as, say, O.J. and M. and, and Angel were. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And something I kind of wanted to bring up and me and Emma had talked about this a little bit um, leading up to the recording, uh, even though mm-hmm. she's not here at the recording. So allegedly... Jupe was originally supposed to be played by uh, Jesse Plemons.
3: No shit.
2: Yeah. So basically, he was cast in the movie, then he backed out because he got cast in um, Flowers of the Killer Moon or Killer mm-hmm. that new Martin Scorsese movie. That's the title. I can't yeah, remember exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm like, okay, I get it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, I get it.
2: <laughs> um, now they never, they never said exactly who the character which character he was supposed to be playing, but apparently, like the when Stephen Yoon was cast like ricky's character went through a lot of rewrites so yeah. i'm like okay <laughs> I, 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 so it's most likely he was supposed to probably play jupe um which i'm just like that would have been very different honestly
3: yeah oh yeah well especially because like obviously you know uh, I'm, I'm gonna say something really controversial which is that i feel like this jordan peele movie is talking about race a, like a little bit like that's kind <laughs> of uh it's in the mix um, oh, so, and I feel and if yeah yeah slightly and and I feel like with Ricky especially like like I don't know like I I love so much that he's like yeah I was the Asian kid on Gordy's home which yeah. is absolutely a thing and and it got to be you know it's talking about you know sort of nostalgia and like nineties sort of TGIF shows. And mm-hmm. frequently there was that character that's like, boy, like they, they didn't get a lot to do on those shows. And I feel like it, it's part and parcel of Ricky's sort of perspective on the entire experience afterward, which was that, again, he is at a layer of remove about the whole thing. Yeah. At, oh, and like, about yeah. The experience of You know, being an East Asian actor, you know, tra- who now is kind of like walking this experience to make a living, like it's... I kind of can't picture anybody else in that role. Uh, aside from Steven Yeun. And he yeah.
1: pointed out like, like the one that really like, it was uh, like an eighties movie that really put him on the map. He was just like, oh yeah, I was the Asian kid in that.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause okay. So the thing about kid sheriff, like I, it really was making my like gears turn in my head. Like this time while I'm watching it is that I can kind of see exactly the kind of movie it is in my, in my head like Mm. it's that because well one the thing you have to like apparently this was jordan told um steven this like on set was that jupe was not the the main character of that movie and like it's kind of obvious when they like they refer to almost like the asian kid in uh kid sheriff but yeah i could kind of see it exactly then there's that one part it's just so it's such a brief line but it tells you so much about that what that kind of movie probably was it was that M asks about what happened to the the black actor who was in the movie. Oh yeah, I noticed that too. My second yeah. time around. Yeah. So it's just like that's where I'm just like, yeah. This is why I can kind of see exactly what the movie was probably like. It was probably just like you know that live action children's movie, kind of a Goonies rip off. If it was produced by Disney it's definitely during the like early Michael Eisner period where he was just like, let's just churn out as many like live action, like mid budget films as possible. Because what the fuck is animation, really? And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they yeah. probably had like is one of those casts where they had like your main actor is probably like your milk toast like generic white boy. Who uh, probably, John. Was,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: probably still has a career, maybe. Yeah. And then you'll have like the asian kid the black kid maybe a hispanic kid who knows and a girl yeah there's always just one girl in there
3: right right Well, we gotta have the girl smurf i mean yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that's and that's representation you know
2: yeah it's um, like yeah
3: <laughs> yeah there, there's there's okay so there's a character that um upon rewatching it the biggest question mark for me in the movie is holst now Obviously, Holst uh, the the what he's is he a DP or a cinematographer or
2: it sounds like he's a cinematographer for, like and
1: yeah,
3: and he's it, it played played by the the goddamn immortal Michael Wincott. Yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been obsessed with him since I was a kid because he plays um, Top Dollar and the crow and he's been in a bunch of shit. He was in alien uh, resurrection, resurrection and yeah Robin Hood men and not excuse me not Robin Hood men in tights (laughs) Robin Hood Prince of Thieves different movie uh slightly um but he I feel like he's like the I don't know like what do you guys make of his character with like his motivation about wanting to get the perfect shot
1: so I kind of got his character a little better the second time through is I definitely like he's when you first see him he's on the commercial Hmm. set he's also the only one that gives OJ any attention
0: Mm, i was something i noticed
1: the second time through is he's the only one that gives oj attention he is a professional he definitely sees himself as an artist he dressed like an artist but he's also like all in black like he's mourning and so Mm -hmm. you know he respects the people that come on the set to like do this stuff he's like you know he probably had a career in the 80s and 90s so you know hey the animal handle is here i'm gonna give him the respect he deserves You know, Mm -hmm. uh, and while everyone else is like, oh, we we could just replace the horse. Who cares? And, you know, when you first like when you see him at his home, like the thing that I noticed was the fact that uh, was like, well, you're watching him kind of go through footage of um, of like predators eating like predators Mm -hmm. basically attacking prey or predators attacking each other, which one wins so he's he's mm-hmm. very fascinated by that. But the thing that struck me second time watching was he's watching it on an old editing deck. And right. I didn't catch it the first time around because I'm just going like, oh, he's watching film on an old editing deck. And then I realized I was born in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, know. Yeah. I yeah. remember when film was on film and now everything's digital. So, you know, and I've, worked on digital setups and digital professional editing software before when I was in college. So, you mm-hmm. know, I know that's a very different vibe than what he's doing. So, he's like he's he I I think it's like he's kind of lost. He's like I'm trapped in a world that does not care about my art. And he's right. kind of Quint from Jaws. Just up obs- instead of obsessed with the with the with the shark that you know killed his crew and stuff he's more Mm -hmm. obsessed with like trying to feel again with his art and so you know why you know why else are you watching like predators trying to kill each other and i think that was part of his obsession and i was like when he did that i realized like oh he's committing suicide
2: yeah that's yeah. that's definitely the vibe i got this time around too because i was like the first time it's just like what the fuck is this man doing and then the second time you're just like oh
1: yeah he doesn't want to live in this he's... he he wants to live and die for his art and he doesn't want
3: to live in this world anymore <laughs> yeah he, this guy's trying to ride the lightning like he yeah. yeah especially if he's been around for that long and he's which also you know if you're gonna get michael wincott for uh if you're gonna get somebody for like a world weary uh older guy who's kind of seen a lot of things and is maybe tired you could do so much worse than the smokehouse growl of michael wincott that yeah that that definitely adds that performance uh, oh yeah i just love it we just love his voice you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. just you hear that and you think ah yes acting cinema
1: and i also like you know it will dive into when you know like because he is like an actual person too he isn't just we were traveling, like when they first call him he's like hey this better be important because i have a nice lemon tart in the oven and <laughs> 10 of my closest friends are coming over
3: <laughs> yeah yeah he's got shit going on he's like, got the, the, the,
2: the fucking bit where he's saying he does the, not sings but it's more like talks through like blind, blind people, people, eaters. people eaters. it's such a bit of Man. dark humor
3: you know well, and it's that's what it is like I this to me is a carryover from us where that's another movie that this movie is picking up a lot of shit and and doing something with it like Mm -hmm. get out has sort of has the clarity of it uh sort of a single a singular thing where it's just Mm -hmm. like it's doing the one story and it's just focusing on that and I feel like us was and I also I'm, 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 i can't even imagine trying to like okay uh, first of all making the movie uh get out which i hate to call a thing perfect but it's kind of a perfect movie um hmm. and then after get out being like okay now follow that up with something just as perfect and i really appreciate that jordan peele with this and with nope like they take so many big fucking swings. Like he's still he's still commenting on the same stuff that's always preoccupied him. But I appreciate that he's not just this is not somebody who's gonna do like the WCW Jimmy Hart theme version of his own work. Yeah. With like doing get out again. This movie has so is has so many moving parts and juggles so many things. And I I don't know. Upon rewatching, uh, nope. I absolutely think it like he catches all of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of going back to Hulse having respect for OJ is Anne's kind of more of that new Hollywood type person. You're just trying to do all these hustles and everything. Uh, Whereas when they were on the phone, when OJ started speaking, like Hulse started listening more because OJ was speaking his language. Like, oh, you're like me. You're, yeah. You're you're a guy from this era and you understand me. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's like, you're you're Hemingway coded. Yeah. <laughs> it's like You 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 and I, man, we could sit in the room and silently drink and and not do and yeah, just stare into the middle distance and we would understand each other perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but
2: I forgot what I was gonna say. It, kind okay. of building on that. It's all it's fine though. So I, I kind of want to go back
1: to, to Ricky a little mm. bit because it's like, I think that like having kind of having the victim being a child star and after reading Jeanette uh, McCurdy's book and also mm. Willie Wheaton's annotated mm-hmm. anti- uh, autobiography prior to this, I'm like, Oh, cause it's, it's honestly Wait, I, don't, I don't
2: know yeah. this. Uh, okay. So these Yeah, those two particular books are just about. It's Will Wheaton and Jeanette McCurdy talking about their own experiences growing up as child actors. Yeah, well, particularly with with abusive parents. Yeah, like
1: oh
3: wait, Jeanette McCurdy's the one who did. I'm glad my mom's dead. dead, Yeah, I'm glad my mom
1: died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I will. I will say more. Like Will Wheaton's is more of like he's going back to an older, like an older memoir he did, and he's kind of annotating it and those annotations are like oh this is why i was angry and it is just this like long spiel about his parents abusing him (laughs) jesus and um but like with jeanette like the thing that really like the 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 through line with those two was more of like how like jeanette's mom was just she didn't care about her kid she just cared about Mm -hmm. almost like a meal ticket and acted like it and like drove her kid to having an eating disorder drove her like also mm-hmm. was a little inappropriate at times you know because it didn't matter because well you're a big star now and you can get us money and
3: right so it's just like a, a level of presumed access to her kid's body
1: body yeah. and then as well as like money too it's like that's like another kind of through line a lot is like financial abuse uh the one that really is just to this day i am like i will fist fight Will wheaton's parents i don't care how old they are uh is Mm uh when he they still had all of his royalties and everything and he didn't realize this until he was way older and basically what happened uh he talked about like very bluntly like when his wife was constantly having to do like battles with her ex-husband over their kids and everything uh you know she was basically the only one working and he was like i'll go to my parents for money and they're like okay we'll lend it to you but we're gonna charge interest and i'm like that's scuzzy charging your kid interest but okay jesus but right. then he later finds out that was his money from tng
0: oh
3: uh, oh uh, uh, uh yeah it's, Jesus.
1: yeah so you know it's it's this kind of this whole thing of where children are a commodity and you you most of the time when you read about these parents it's like they just treat their kid like a commodity this is how we're gonna make money you don't see anything mm-hmm. wrong with it at all and and then uh i think you you brought up you brought up the rewrite so i think you might have been right about uh KHU Kwan being kind of an influence there. Cause I know prior to this movie coming out, he talked about how he just couldn't get acting jobs anymore after he grew up.
2: Yeah, so mm. that's why like it's crazy to me, because I'm like, I think this probably filmed around the same time as Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Um, or at least I think um Everything Everywhere might have filmed before it, because I if I remember right, they filmed in like 2019 and then they couldn't release the film until 2021 due to the pandemic. Uh, but mm. it would have filmed, I guess, filmed around the same time. But yeah, like Kwan, like literally left the fucking industry because there were no roles for Asian actors, especially after he got older. And I guess, you know, can't, you 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 know, really can't have like, quote unquote, Asian kid anymore.
1: Yeah. And it's kind mm. of this whole thing. It's like once you're no longer a child, you're star power. Well, you're no longer a cute fucking kid and uh right and uh like one of the things that just seems to notice it's like this whole kind of thing did i even really want to be an actor in the first place was i forced into it
3: so like yeah I'll, oh. but this this is tangentially related um are you okay so are you guys familiar with kurt russell's influence on walt disney
2: vaguely no? vaguely yeah.
3: okay so okay, so get this shit right so kurt russell was also a child actor which is Fucking buckwild to me. Uh, I don't know why I imagine like that long ago. Like, your child actor's a thing, but of course, like you know, Shirley Temple. But yeah. uh, Kurt Russell was um, acting as a kid in a bunch of Disney productions. Apparently, one of the last things Walt Disney did before dying was writing down Kurt Russell on a piece of paper <laughs> and then dying. Like fucking rosebud. In my heart, I choose to believe that Kurt Russell killed that fucking guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, entirely possible. Like, like,
3: yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if he, if he has to die by anybody's hand, it's Kurt Russell. But yeah, like being a child actor it seems like, I don't know, like with Stephen Ewan's character especially, it's almost like a, it's taking the idea of being a child actor being innately sort of a traumatic experience yeah. and sort of taking that to its logical extreme where it's like, not only does does Ricky have the trauma of being a child actor. He watched a chimpanzee murder a bunch of people. Yeah,
2: yeah, because it's Uh, it's definitely one of those things I feel like with a different director, like. Ricky would not have been as sympathetic as he was, even though he is truly just being both an idiot and an asshole. Yeah,
0: (laughs) a
3: smarm, total smart hound, uh, which I love that he he gets to just be this kind of like (laughs) glad handing chuckle guy where it's just like, you know what? You strap on that fucking cowboy hat, man. You watched you watched your your castmates get murdered by a monkey. <laughs> Absolutely, you can you can do this now. You're fine.
1: Yeah, and it, I just also like a lot of stuff. It felt like performance with him uh. too. That I look so I it's like mm-hmm. when you he you have that flashback to like to what I, you've been hearing about this whole thing that happened at Gordy's house for a little bit. So you're now seeing it for the first time, and then when you flash forward to him, his wife, you know, is like, Hey, you know, it's almost showtime. And it's like, you want to go once more for the top. And it just ends with, well, what if I told you? And it just cuts away. And it almost feels like the first time I feel like, was he going to just tell her about what this the fuck he flashed back to or something. And then, no, this was actually the speech he gives. When, you know, what if I told you, I saw, mm-hmm. you know, I forgot the full thing. So it's like, it feels like everything's almost he wants to it almost feels like kind of that phase that uh you want to get known again you want that limelight even though it fucking destroyed you and traumatized you you want that limelight on you still
3: yeah because it's your it's your lifeline to a career and to meaning right yeah like it's you can you can I, I mean you know obviously i say this with uh you know Zero fucking experience as uh, any kind of uh child, uh, child actor or otherwise. But, like there, I I can absolutely understand narratively that it's doing this thing of like the queasy balance between having to having to make money doing what you do, and feeling fucking weird about that, and necessarily kind of feeling like you're not just selling your labor, you're selling yourself. Like you're yeah. you're selling the the hours of your life you're selling a little bit your dignity kind of like you there's necessarily a trade off there and it's i it's a thing that i really love about oj being he works in entertainment but he's just he's just in it for the horses basically which right. is incredible
1: he's like i was raised um, on a on a farm with my dad you know
3: yeah yeah and oj is someone who is 0% In this movie, worried. I think I'm gonna say a thing and see if it's true. She's not worried about the same shit Ricky is worried about existentially, right? Like OJ has his work that he fucking cares about deeply. He's got his sister who he loves. You know, he's got his whole life, and he doesn't need anybody to like him for him to keep doing what he does. Yeah. And if you're Ricky, or if you're an actor, or you're you know. There's a certain amount of if people don't like me anymore, I can't do my work
1: or, you know, I can't I don't know who I am.
3: Yeah, yeah. Right? Total like the sort of ego death, loss of identity.
1: Yeah, it's it's like the way Steven just plays like you're right now. Now I'm picking up like the way Steven kind of plays Ricky is, you know, when Ricky is talking about certain things, I think when he's kind of more showboating or, or putting on something, he kind of more or less like has a certain personality, but like you know when he flashes when he's talking about the what happened on on set to M and OJ, you just kind of see a despondence in his eye while he's just ha ha Chris Catan. and yeah. then you, and then you kind of also see that when you know Gene Jack like before Gene Jacket swallows him up like this almost mm-hmm. an actual genuine disbelief and oh god that scene has priority that's like i swear on my family's life <laughs> and i'm like oh, uh, i'm
2: thick here yeah
0: yeah well
3: and yeah
2: and also i'm just gonna i'm gonna say that i said this online the other day but like i feel like the the bit where he is talking about the, the snl sketch and you can just kind of see the trauma in his eyes but he he's not really like trying to lead on about it there, you changed some details about that. That would have fit in so perfectly on Key and Peele. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that would have been the same kind of thing as, like, the the Family Matters sketch <laughs> with Dalil White being an evil mind wizard. Like, well, and, and also, uh, another thing that I noticed is that when you Ewan, even even when he's kind of at a remove talking about the SNL sketch of the thing that happened to him, he kind of, it leaks there because he's like, and Chris Kattan, I mean, he kills it he brushes it he annihilates yeah, and even his language describing yeah. the performance from Chris Kattan is just like laced with just yeah, you live through a traumatic experience my guy yeah, yeah.
2: but also I can totally see the Chris Catan performance in my head just the way he's describing it but I might have just because I watched a lot yeah. of that particular era of SNL yeah
3: yeah 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 i remember when the rock was on snl i remember there was a sketch where chris Kattan played a monkey yeah uh, i don't you, you know it's good work if you can get it if you're chris Kattan and someone goes hey you know you kind of remind me of a monkey and y- you can you can do this on snl for i want to say two years and then nowhere else ever again is he okay <laughs> yeah, i hope he's okay <laughs> somebody should check on chris katan I, I don't know Oops, that got dark um, <laughs> um... but yeah
1: Last I checked, I think he's still acting. So, and he seems to be oh, doing good okay. Yeah, excellent. Um, I was just saying, it's like, really kind of goes back to that metaphor, of like Hollywood, you know, and and it's like destroying you and everything, okay. and you know, it, it definitely like the fame, and it, it ends up leading to like Ricky's death, but also kind of because you know Ricky was around, kind of the show and everything. He's so detached from reality that you know like somebody, i think somebody on twitter pointed this out that he he thought he kind of shared a bond with gordy there that's why gordy spared him and that's why he, all the stuff like the way the slipper is up and everything it's you know a bad miracle as pointed out you know kind of earlier and so he thinks he can train jean jacket
2: yeah I mean, even like that that little hype up speech uh, he gives himself where he's just like i you've been chosen you're chosen it's like
0: yeah uh...
1: <laughs> yeah and Man. And whereas when O.J. finally figures out oh, I think this is a predator animal, O.J.'s worked around, you know, he's from another side of the industry where, like, you know, you're part of that more behind the scenes, definitely a little bit more working class uh, vibe than, you know, an actor, you know, actors are part of the working class. Mm-hmm. But definitely like the gruff version of it. My hands aren't soft.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I, now that I think about it, I love that Ricky is getting like he really I mean, it's he kind of work. It kind of works for a while. Him harnessing power of jean jacket for entertainment purposes. Yeah, like, yeah, he's able to kind of get a bit of a show going like before he gets eaten by it, obviously. But maybe it's that thing of like, at this point, he's so sort of I don't know, like inoculated against how horrific it is to perform for money. Um, and maybe it's just kind of like, yeah, I've got like a kind of solidarity of, of a kind with Jean Jacket or I've got a bond with it in the way that I did with Gordy. And I love the idea that like, no, you looked, you looked up into it. It's going to eat each other. Yeah,
1: and, you. Yeah, know, and, you know, you see, that was something I didn't catch when I watched, you know, when uh, OJ, I think, goes out and he's trying to, you know, catch what's, what it is you hear ricky's performance like you hear a dress rehearsal
2: oh yeah because yeah. he like oh, goes out yeah. to the field well, i think it was with ghost
1: yeah with ghost
2: and like yeah he goes out to the field and you can hear what's going on and that, like that's like the insidious thing about like ricky like you, you realize the whole time is that he's basically like kind of been lying to oj about the horses
1: and you can even mm-hmm. tell when you go back to that scene i'm you know, just like hey what about the horses is Ricky puts out a performance, but you can, you know, uh, I think Steve, Steven really kind of puts together kind of, you can tell Ricky's kind of doesn't want to talk about this. Like, yeah.
3: You know. Yeah. Well, because how do you explain horse murder? You yeah. know, like yeah. there's, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. Yeah. Yeah. And- so-
2: You've already promised this guy. It's like, oh, yeah, you can totally buy back the horses. Yeah, like, oh, you can totally buy them back. You know, he's acting all
1: awkward. I think it's so funny because right after, let me tell you about Gordy's house. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather talk about the most traumatic experience of my life than admit that I have been feeding your horses. <laughs> and, that was a close
0: one.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and
1: and and also, like, he, you know, the whole buying the barn, too, like buying the farm. Because um, I'll hmm. kind of use this transition to Otis Sr. in a bit, but like buying the farm because they're, you know, they're going through rough times and he's like, oh, I'll buy it and all the horses. And Otis, you know, OJ's like, I don't want to do that. I want to keep my my farm and my horses. So, you know, he sends his kids out to scare them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, that's
2: also partially because M stole the one like statue off of his farm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I but love I do him. I did
2: laugh about the like OJ punching that one. <laughs> yes. You, you, you
3: scared Listen. him.
2: You scared him enough.
3: <laughs> Listen, obviously we, we we all know that it's bad to, to strike children, but in a fictional context, a kid getting punched in the face is frequently funnier than it is not. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah, yeah, that's it's a, it's a good, it's a good on screen. Oh shit, that kid got punched.
1: It's like, oh like, shit, that was actually yeah, a child, very, very not
2: an alien. Yeah.
1: Um, oh fuck,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: But cause cause
1: it's, kind of it's
0: going to like
2: when it clicks until the kid is on the ground, just goes, ow.
1: It's like, oh fuck.
3: But uh, yeah, completely, and, and it's also like, listen, kid, if you if you don't want to get punched, don't dress up and invade a barn. Yeah, you know? like that's just that's consequences. And,
1: and the old Gordy costumes.
0: What? oh i
3: had that's right <laughs> oh my god uh, i yeah oof, yeah uh um
1: well let's kind of transition to otis senior because you know we, we talked a bit of we've talked a little bit about ev and we talked about oj enough but i like that otis senior you only get a brief time with him alive but you feel his absence mm-hmm. throughout the movie
3: uh mm-hmm oh yeah
1: and you can you can tell he you know he's kind of the best of what both children can provide in kind of the the what they do is he has m's way of pres presenting but m hasn't quite like gotten it down yet but he's you know very bombastic figure you know when you when you hear the speech Mm -hmm. later he get you know when when they're watching an old tape of of a demo of his you know he's lining it perfectly. You know you have Keith David's voice, booming voice, and you know and yes. So he's uh, definitely this this character to be around, but he's also got like OJ's more knowledge of horses.
3: You know, mm-hmm. and we're, it's a really good point. Yeah, like like they really they, the kids really are like the half of his best part where it's like the showmanship and then the like brass tacks being good at working with horses, horses
1: you you feel kind of that emptiness because ah, like there was no other person I think to play that role than Keith David because K- Keith David can just tap into being a bombastic fill the room personality oh yeah
2: and, and
1: mm-hmm. that was Oda Senior but go on
2: yeah I mean I think for me like especially so I feel like the where you kind of see the the space that like Otis senior left behind the most is when you in the scenes where M talks about her relationship with her dad. Yeah. Because it it definitely has that like like Kiki Palmer. Like I don't think she has gotten enough credit for her performance as M in this movie.
3: No, so definitely no. not. Cuz
2: obviously I... yeah, she's very funny. Like like no matter what she does, she's fucking hilarious, but like there's just like that certain weight of like, I I don't know if be if it's fair to say that she's not the she's not the favorite child. She was the girl. Yeah, she was the girl. Uh,
3: she 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 knocked me on my ass uh, with that one monologue um, about how uh, that was her horse, that was going to be her horse, and then sort of the capriciousness of this larger than life you know father figure. Mm-hmm. Like she keep Palmer, fucking oh, so good when she's just talking about how you know wanting her father's approval when she was growing up and wanting to be part of this whole thing and feeling necessarily shut out of it in a really big way yeah
1: it, it felt like uh Otis senior you know did the whole thing of I you know uh, putting this on my oldest child who's also you know he's my son his name is even Otis Jr yeah you know? right and, yeah yeah and yeah oh wow and it kind of cuts into that performance when she does kind of give the Hayward speech earlier is I you know she's trying to be her dad but it's almost just like and you know she's Mm -hmm. kind of messing up but she also just kind of doesn't have that that fully it factor there that her dad does and it's like almost as if her dad like she wants to be her father but her father was like well you're the youngest and a girl I'm gonna sort of pay attention to you but I'm not gonna polish you in the family business and I also think that's why she has like five billion like side gigs Interesting left. Each one of them shows up.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's what I was about to say. Like, each one, because, like, you see her with. The sewing machine. You see her with the um on the motorcycle, which yeah, that yep. Akira slide. Yeah, my god. Got, yeah, the best for last. Oh, yeah. You know,
3: and you and you know, Jordan Peele's nerd ass was like, no, I'm doing the Akira slide. Yeah, like I gotta, I gotta do it. Yeah. Like I think
2: they set up a particular track so that way, like they could nail the Akira slide perfectly.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, Kiki Palmer tapping into the. I think that's just the the human experience of realizing you'll never be as cool as Keith David. You know, yeah. we all. (laughs) we all have to we all have to deal with that in our own way you know yeah Yeah, but
2: like even though you never like because i think you only see him on like you only see otis senior on screen with otis jr both in like the beginning of the movie and the flashbacks but like just the way that like M talks about otis senior and the way she kind of carries herself talking about like that like their relationship and growing up with like you know, growing up with her brother being kind of the preferred, like, heir successor to the business. Like, mm-hmm. you just know just immediately, without them being in any scenes together, like, you just don't know immediately what their relationship was like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, like, the empty and then there's, like, that other like, emptiness with Otis Jr. Like, Otis Jr. is the one who watched his dad die and you're seeing just him panic on the entire way to the hospital. And then you, when you're, like, you're in the room his dad's dead uh you know it's that you know shot where like they obviously had to pull something from his eye it's gross Mm. and Mm. everything and it's just this dead silence because you know on the way there they were they were you know he's trying to keep his father up by naming the horses that they had
3: yeah and he's kind of he's kind of doing the like reservoir dogs like i'm gonna be okay thing (laughs) like to try to like keep him keep his spirits up while they're driving yeah um i love that the the image we get so this movie just being like having so many fucking great shots and images in it the one right before it goes to the title card just being a key stuck in a horse's haunch yeah oh yeah from the the sky fuck me dude like that's that's such a good visual yeah and also i love that you see that and the screen goes nope yeah. Because that's also how I feel seeing a key sticking out of a horse. Like that's not supposed to be happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Also, I, it was, it's just me that t- it took forever to realize that all of like the sections of the film are named after either the horses or it just in that one case, Gordy.
1: No. Oh, fuck. fuck I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice catch that because that. Yeah, I
2: like, go it's like ghosts. I think it's Ghost Lucky, Gordy and Jean Jacket.
1: Yeah. With Jean yeah. Jacket being the name of the horse and was supposed to get. That yeah.
2: was I also
1: love the like it was Scorpion King, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> Otis, yeah, Otis Jr. Yeah. was like, I'm feeling awkward. Uh the the it was actually Scorpion King.
2: <laughs> they didn't even like they used what camels.
1: They ended up using camels. You know, trying to make her feel better as like, Then they ended up using camels. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like at that very I just remember like for like the first half of that movie, you're definitely feeling that weight of Otis Jr. trying to feel fill his father's shoes and trying to deal with the business, but he doesn't quite have the nature that his father did. That was with M. But of course, you know, Oda Senior didn't, you know, do anything with M, so
3: Right. So it's like, oh, so M is fucking, you know, great at talking and also hasn't been given the keys to this thing in the way that OJ has.
1: Yeah. And So you're kind of just dealing with both of them, not only like dealing with the absence of their father in a no way, but also like, damn, what's gonna happen to our fucking farm? Yeah, yeah.
3: God damn, guys, I really fucking love this (laughs) movie. Yeah,
2: same.
1: We're were finding new, like you, like you mentioned, like, oh wow, I didn't notice it was named after you know the horses, Uh, and it feels like the horses also kind of the horses' names play into it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah like oh yeah like ghost is kind of when you're really first introduced with what's going on mm-hmm. um and then mm-hmm. you know when it does go into like gordy you know you're seeing that the horror <laughs> yeah and you then know, yeah
2: lucky ends up ends up being the luckiest horse in the entire movie
3: <laughs> I just, I, 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 there's such a throwaway moment, but I love when, um, OJ is like fully just trying to like stare at his shoes to get through this fucking experience of being on set. And the actress is like trying to charm him and he's, and she's like, what's the horse name? And he's like, lucky. And she's like, is he and you can tell that she's like i'm doing sparkling repartee and he is just no selling the fuck out
1: <laughs> yeah she's <laughs> just, just she's, like just, i'm not i don't want to be here yeah
3: no i wish my dad I'm not was doing here. this with you yeah no, i wish my dad was yeah. here
1: because <laughs> his dad would have probably had a story you know <laughs> Oh yeah!
3: Oh yeah! Yeah! Oh, he would have. Yeah, he would have done it. But he's just like, please, I just want to go home and hang out with my horses <laughs> like this.
1: <laughs> and uh kind of tying back, I, I do like with M is also the fact that she becomes more and more at home. I, I now notice because we, you know, we're talking about the relationship with her dad. She was so not at the house at the beginning of the movie, and then mm-hmm. like towards the end, you know, she's she's there with oj it's almost as if like we're the only two people in this world that are family now and we have each other and that's it i guess we have angel too in his mm. weird apartment <laughs>
3: yeah oh yeah yeah angel with frosted tips to beat the band like <laughs> yeah it, the most the most upsetting haircut of 2022 yeah uh, i love I, it feels. I love that they talked about the Scorpion King because right after they the scene where they talked about that, we've got a guy working at Fry's Electronics and he's got the frosted tips, and it just feels <laughs> it, just so early two thousands.
1: And also like <laughs> such a pathetic character,
2: and I love him for it.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. It's like oh, apparently,
2: yeah. like apparently, Angel is supposed to be a little bit more of an upbeat character, but like, uh, I think it's Brandon Pereira, the actor, was like. Jordan <laughs> mm. to kind of make him a little bit more of an
3: asshole yeah just oh my my guys are my, my guys auditioning for a Kevin Williams movie <laughs> yeah or no not Kevin Williams excuse me Kevin Smith oh That's a yeah guy. Kevin oh, Smith. oh yeah oh no
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It, it's just I I definitely like you know he just had a, his girlfriend broke up with him I guess because it's like you're a pathetic weirdo who plays with a VR thing and <laughs> works at an electronic store you know, no matter how much stop
3: being a pathetic weirdo. I don't know. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, and, you know, and you frosted your hair. It's like, she's going on that CW show. And, you know, he's going through a breakup. He's kind of
2: spying on them. I love the I love the whole UAP UFO monologue that he has because he's just like
0: mm-hmm. he's
2: just complaining so much about this. And then OJ's just like, Cool cool i also love the sound design on it because it's just like
1: it's kind of faded (laughs) like (laughs) it's talking and then like when oj goes cool that's the most clearest thing you can hear
0: yeah
2: i mean i feel like i would have a similar reaction as somebody who just started talking about ufo alien conspiracies to me unprompted
3: yeah yeah Oh yeah. That's a that's that's real sir, this is a Wendy's. Like yeah. that's I don't please, please, I don't wanna do we have to do okay. All right, we're talking about fucking you. Folks. I feel All like right. Ann
1: would have said sir, this is a Wendy's.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely. Boy, Angel it he kind of he's like one of the only characters in this that I'm like, are you in the wrong movie, friend? <laughs> like a little a little bit. Uh but also he He's such a great... He does so much heavy lifting, I think, plot-wise. Like, I really love having Angel in this movie.
1: Yeah. He kind of... He works in a weird way. He just gets... It's one of those things like, because you're a nosy weirdo, you got caught up in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, had to, you had to know. You just had, <laughs> had to, to know. know. And now your vehicle is creepily playing I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> and, like, you know, yeah. you just got... Uh, uh a fucking animal just squeeched blood all over the house you were in to intimidate you and M
3: Yeah Sunglasses at night which I wanna say is uh the theme song for creepy weirdos. So he's really yeah he's really committing to the bit and I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Oh no he was he was so great. And then just like yeah, finally mm-hmm. and yeah, he definitely has you know he's trying not to be that nerd, but then you go to his ha- like his little apartment, and he's definitely that nerd. I also love that like M was the only one that did anything with the virtual reality stuff.
3: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: God, I wish I could remember the piece of like I saw this fan piece of fan art with like it was like OJ and M using VR and like M was talking about like going, I think I forget what it was, but basically like. I think it ended with OJ just being like asking like w- about her first Sona like avatar that she was using. Like why are you a, like a seven foot tall cat? <laughs> I'm glad you yeah. also remember that fan yeah. art
1: I'm talking about. Yeah no it's it's also I love her and Angel arguing over like setting up uh holsteth's camera to be in the feed and he's like we didn't have time and also it was film and they're just being like well that just means oh yeah that just means you're lazy and it's like no you can't this is a hand cranked thing <laughs> you can't just set it up to a feed oh man yeah Those those two those two added kind of a great level to the movie
3: yeah it's incredible
1: I kind of want to talk about, because this was such a debate on the, I guess going to a side, this was such a debate, I guess, of which, which scene was scarier, the Gordy scene or the digestion scene and Gordy scene. Yeah. The mm, Gord, yeah. For, for me, it was the Gordy scene because it's like the, the tension of that scene was so thick, but also I'm like the Gordy mm. scene right up until that point you really didn't have anything too horrific, or if there was a tension, there was something to break the tension in the comedy. Mm. OJ punching the kid.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although OJ punching a kid, I feel should uh, int- introduce every scene <laughs> in the motion <Christian laughs> picture. Or, or, it's just really, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it feels good. You know? Or
1: like the fucking praying mantis. <laughs> uh, fucking yeah. praying mantis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm just yelling about this fucking praying mantis and everything there's stuff to kind of break that tension. So when you're introduced to the Gordy scene, nothing breaks that tension. You have to. No, no. So it's it's basically like shifting your thought process to, this is a little, there's spectacle here, and there's a little, a little off, but there's funny moments that will break it. It it literally is like, yeah no, shit's about to fucking happen. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to, yeah. Just just punch Josh Whedon for a bit. But this is what he wanted when Lash died in Serenity. Oh the
3: completely un uh, the completely unearned manipulative. Death. Death.
1: Right. He, he was like, Well, I just wanted the audience to know not everyone's safe. And I'm like, Yeah, Jordan Peele accomplished that with the Gordy scene. Because yeah. it just it sets up that digestion scene. Cause as soon as you see them sucked up, you're like, oh no, they're fucking dead.
0: <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah, completely.
2: And like, the, I, like, I still remember, I, thought, I can remember somebody saying this online. It's so true because like, you see the one girl, I think it was like Mary Joe or whatever her name was. Yeah. And like, you see her in the crowd because she got invited at this. And like, I feel so fucking bad for her because like, obviously, like she, you know, she gets dragged into this bullshit and meets her end in like the worst way possible. And she's already lived through the trauma mm. of getting her face ripped off by a chimp face and it sounds like also eaten not to yeah. go back to that scene it's... yeah mm-hmm. and, and like they, oh, they showed her like they would show that scene in the trailer of like the her veil blowing up in the wind so like people would mm-hmm. saw the trailer and thought she was like one of the aliens and like yeah. I, I remember seeing somebody online just being like man we were so wrong about that poor woman yeah. that poor also
1: Yeah. also she's in a she's in a a uh, uh, motorized wheelchair. Like, oh yeah. Gordy's attack was so devastating oh, yeah. on her; it left her disabled. And it to later mm-hmm. just have that wheelchair on top of the house. Oh god, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It's it's awful. Although, great fucking makeup on the lady who got her face ripped off. Yeah, no. That oh was...
2: yeah, very underrated. <laughs> Also,
1: also just <laughs> yeah yeah also it feels like ricky just never let her go because he was like the girl i had a crush on and like you wanted her to see this <laughs> it's like sure i'll come out be there with you and it's like you, you mm-hmm. it's like wow you even you drugged your someone i think he's never really let go your wife because it just felt like he really wasn't into his wife but maybe that was just me and your kids and the your employees all the employees and these mm-hmm. audience and you just led them to their deaths because you needed the spotlight one
2: last time
0: mm-hmm. it's like yep yeah just... it's... <laughs> <sighs> it's
2: like not only just doomed himself but like doomed everybody around him just for his own hubris of thinking that he could like he had a connection with like an alien that he'd been feeding for six months
1: and not only that like this was my ticket to fame yeah which yeah which is such another part of that metaphor like what is oj and m's first reaction of seeing jean jacket getting the oprah shot
2: <laughs> yep
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yep completely it's like even oj has that kind of like well that could save the farm and you know m's trying everything to stay in this business and and relevant in some way oh man it's just i love that bit of getting the oprah and then at the end they technically got that oprah shot and she just leaves it there
3: yeah they got the oprah shot yeah like i i I, I do really love the number of things this movie sets up and then pays off Yeah, where you can just sort of, you know, you could you you sort of have the characters like looking at the camera and being like Oprah shot. Keep that in your back pocket.
2: I just love the fact that like I love that last shot of OJ so mm-hmm. much of like him on the
3: horse mm-hmm. through the fog. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a fucking great shot. The film
2: like kind of sets him up makes it seem like he's going to die. Especially because he like he's there to confront Jean Jacket in order for like mm. M to escape and you know get the shot. So just the fact that like mm. you do just that last badass shot of him like on the on Lucky through the fog is just oh so good.
1: And, and like the in a Western sense, and they're surrounded by a Western theme park. Oh yeah. But I also like looking at like yeah, yeah. she walks away from the cameras to talk to. She walks away from the Oprah shot. And she goes to her brother instead. And I just, I'm looking, like, I, I was kind of, I now kind of pieced together really that that man is like, yeah, this is fleeting. This got people killed. OJ's real. <laughs> you
2: know? Well, even like her statement when Jean Jacket blows up is don't fuck with Haywood. Yeah. And because it, it's like, it's less about like getting the shot at that point and more of just like, no, you've killed my, you know, you killed my father. Uh, you killed. basically, like, he's like. She thinks at that point her brother's probably dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I just kind of like at the end they're just kind of they go they turn their back on all that and it's like well, we have each other. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And yeah, they fully sort of opt out of the whole thing. Like, you know what? I'm yeah, I'm good. I've seen what this does to people. Yeah. It's like I'm good. Let's just.
1: Try to figure out what to do with the horses. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they literally
3: they they literally sort of ride off into the sunset. Like yeah. you get to have this fucking cool like western moment for these characters.
1: Oh, for sure. I I the fi the final I guess victim or the second final victim of Jean Jacket was like a TMZ reporter. Oh man. Oh, yeah,
2: and like the fact that people just did not yeah. get that whole fucking bit.
3: <laughs> man.
2: His, his words are like, "I need my camera." It's like you gotta get the shot. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love the fact that, like, one thing I love about this movie is that Jordan Peele is just like, "You're a fucking, you're a fucking adults. So you can like, I'm not gonna explain everything here to you." Yeah, I'm gonna spoon feed this
1: to you. Hmm. Yeah,
2: and like, but even like the TMZ part is like the the most obvious like bit of the film, and people are just like, "I don't get it." <laughs> it's
3: like the yeah, yeah. well, be yeah.
2: It's like the guy was so
3: obsessed
2: oh,
1: but- with getting this shot and finding out what happens for his own sake. Yeah. He dies because of it.
2: I love the bit where, like, he like the guy's riding the bike down as, like, into the electrical disturbance that, like, goes off around Jean Jacket. And they're just like, hey, so what happens when somebody on a, a fully electric bike runs into, like, where there's no electricity? And, he like, you see him from a distance like get shot off the front of the bike and then there's that pause Mm -hmm. and then the oh he's probably dead ah oh my goodness yeah oh just
3: it's it's so it's so fucking good yeah
2: that's that's that perfect like jordan peele dark humor right there
3: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
2: i i was also thinking about
1: that scene of like also like oj's trying to help this guy and the only thing he's obsessed with is getting the shot. You should film me while I'm injured. And it's like, dude, I'm trying to get you out of here. And it eventually OJ gives up on him because it's like, you're going to drag me down and get me killed as well. Yeah. Yeah. As some people know, Ashley used to work for her wrestling sheet under Ryan Satin. (laughs) Yeah. And I sent a text. Ryan, that's
3: rough. Yeah,
1: buddy, it was. And I sent a text message to her. It's like, oh, I got to the part where your
2: boss dies.
3: (laughs) Hey. (laughs) I mean, he was only only my boss for like three
2: months, three or four months.
3: That's three months too long with that (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: fucking. Really?
3: Woof. Uh so so really you can so you can talk about the experience of having Ryan Satin for a boss primarily uh through an SNL sketch. <laughs> uh where you've got yeah uh, Pete Davidson playing Ryan Satin. Uh, it, wow. So you've you've seen some shit. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And he still owes me $350, I might add.
3: <laughs> Man. You're never going to see that. Oh,
2: no, no. I've been tempted, though, to, like, send him a request on Venmo just to see if, like, anything happens or if he just blocks me.
3: <laughs> Blocked on Venmo, yeah. This is
2: for that time I was on shitty
1: fucking internet at Sid's mom's house when I was supposed to be enjoying my vacation. Ugh. And you made me look up scoops in the morning.
0: Oh
1: God. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that, oh, God, I was all I think it's like, oh, it's a Ryan Satin type.
2: Or just that, like I just that, remembering that thread from like fucking Logan Paul, where he's just like, I didn't get the movie, and everyone's like, that was about you. That entire scene was you.
0: You,
1: <laughs> like you would only care about getting a shot of you being injured, or you know, getting the shot of the monster, and then if it, it just eats you, it's,
2: we'd only be so lucky, you know? Yeah, ugh. but but yeah, it's it's.
1: I kind of, I really looking at. I like the end. You know, it, this jean jacket acts like that—that that, the whole machine of spewing you up, spinning you back out, spewing you up, spinning you back out. And it doesn't get the Haywoods. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I do love that they they get out alive. Like, mm-hmm. it feels it feels really earned and good. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, they're they're fine. They're gonna be they're okay. They're gonna be
1: okay. You know, they're not. Uh, you know, a child star that was thinking that they had you know this was their ticket out and they had a connection with animals or a cinematographer who's just like on his last legs with new with the new new hollywood and he's just like i'd rather die trying to get a shot of this thing than continue living
3: yeah yeah yeah. like well that's who doesn't want to die with their boots on with the smoky voice of michael wincott yeah
1: and also, like, I also realized about that shot, you see it entirely from the point of view of is like, hand crane camera.
2: That's such yeah. a good fucking detail.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness.
2: And then Angel actually lives, too. Which yeah. I think they initially had planned on killing him off. Yeah. And just, like, but the fact that he gets, like, the most, like, mm. kind of Millhouse way of surviving.
3: Yeah. <laughs> He, I will say, has no business surviving this motion picture. (laughs) My guy, I, you know, if you have frosted tips and you're a weird little pervert, you should be dying in this horror movie. I appreciate that he survives, but he, he, the character has no business surviving.
1: Uh, He's just going to remain pathetic.
3: Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he'll yeah, just cringe. He's going to be cringe forever. Fries, surely fries will, you know, fries will still be open in twenty years, right? I
1: mean, yeah, totally, totally. You know, <laughs> he, he ah. just go to Micro Center after that. Like you said, he had a very Millhouse way of surviving. He's going to continue to be a Millhouse.
2: <laughs> hmm. I mean, like yeah. He gets yeah, like, completely wrapped up in a tarp that gets bundled in like barbed wire. And, like, nearly gets sucked up by the alien twice. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. I just have a feeling that, like, like if there was, like, a follow-up or something like that, like, Angel would probably be the one who's actually, like, making the press rounds about the whole experience. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, most definitely.
3: <laughs> it's like,
1: I was actually, you know, your one hot dude. That's why I frosted my tips. <laughs>
3: I, was, I mean that's my that's my understanding of hot dudes. They've all got frosted tips and they all work at Fry. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like you, that's that's how that works. I, it's so funny here because I mm-hmm. never I was just like, why does he have frosted fucking tips? What the fuck? Because
0: <laughs> he's he
1: has to be like M's age. <laughs>
3: you know yeah yeah you know, like, and he's a good and he's a good looking guy like you don't have to do this yeah. you don't need those you don't need those highlights <laughs>
1: and, and so like you were not you were like if you were even alive during this boy band period you probably don't even remember it and it is just like clicked with me when you like we're all talking about how pathetic he is and like oh he's just being pathetic after a breakup <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, he yeah. does what, and like, every girl does after a breakup, and, like, dyed, dyed his hair, and it looked really bad.
3: Yeah. Weren't even married, and he has divorced energy. Oh, later. holy. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah. And then,
2: like, I just, I, I totally forgot that Barbie Fa- uh, is in this. Like, she's the co-worker. She's the goth co-worker. <laughs> Like, what are you up to? Oh my god,
1: I totally forgot about that. What are you up to?
2: (laughs) That catches a fair question to ask.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She even catches this like, are you watching like UFO footage or something? (laughs) You know, it's just
0: oh my god.
1: Oh, the details in this movie are great.
2: Oh.
3: Uh, it's yeah, it's full of it's full of great shit.
1: Yeah. I kinda wanna talk a little bit more on like the Spielberg homages. Um real quick um but mm-hmm. like the et one's obvious but the two that really got me uh the jaws one is kind of when they're all like sitting around eating and i think they're eating grilled cheeses
2: oh okay oh yeah yeah, yeah the grilled cheeses. And it comes back to that whole part where she's talking about making the grilled cheese beginning
1: <laughs> but it, it's supposed to be the the scene on the boat before they encounter jaws more or less counter kind of shark and they're talking and they're swapping stories. And I just, I love that instead of, you know, when Quint goes about talking about how his men was eaten by the shark and all this other stuff, Holst just goes into the flying mm. purple people eater.
3: Yeah, this was always this was always going to happen to Holst, I Yeah. Think.
1: <laughs> and then kind of the, the other one, which wasn't a straight hom- homage, but I definitely felt it, was the close encounter seduction scene. When Jean Jackets over the house, it just has that same. Oh yeah. Like tension and just like you're freaked the fuck out. Cause you know, it's there and they know it's there and they're trying not to get out of the house. And. Ugh. it's also like they, they had like a similar looking farmhouse too, which I definitely caught, but it was just like that same mm-hmm. vibe of that scene. I rewatched that scene also. And it's just like, Oh yeah, that scene is just as intense as I remember it.
2: Yeah, just the.
3: Yeah, it's it's a fucking great like it, the shots in this are really fucking beautiful. Yeah,
2: like it managed to make the blood rain just look gorgeous.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, not for nothing, I like that Jordan Peele knows how to shoot nighttime. While well, it's dark, but I can still fucking see things when they're outside. I... Like it's just I don't know, it's just nice. I think yeah,
2: if I remember right. They actually felt like they had to do like color grade it in a particular way because i think they filmed a bunch of those scenes in the daytime and then mm. color graded it in a particular way to actually make it look like night
3: yeah boy it fucking works good for them yeah, yeah. no
2: and it yeah but yeah I, that's something i definitely appreciate is that you can actually see what's going on
1: well you know because he knows how to light shit and to like well if we're gonna fix this in post this is how we're gonna light it yeah instead of whatever the f- you know like movies now you know where it's just like we're just gonna film an entire green screen room because we don't want to play any union people anything and we're gonna do like a dozen shots you know to make like and we'll just you know pick a couple to just put around and we'll even put the gun in with cgi you know yeah Mm -hmm. and because of that like the movies are badly lit you know because you need that weird uniformity to everything and Also, I think 3D technology did not help either. Like, it's inherently darker. But Uh I'm kind of wondering if that adds to the spectacle, is Jordan Peele kind of, he chose locations and sets. You know, like, that's Vazquez Rock. Mm -hmm. Most people know it from, like, Star Trek.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's that's also part of the reason we wanted to, like, cover Nope was because they did film, like, a lot of, like, what you would call American tokusatsu out there. in Bay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know, and you have real locations. So you're doing real lighting. They're interacting with real things. You know, there, there is touch up in it, but it's in a way of where touch up's a tool Mm -hmm. to get that spectacle of jean jacket. You you did have to use CGI, but they kind of did in a way that tapped into almost an animation style. Like I mentioned with Evangelion. Yeah. So it's like it's using the tools of now, but also kind of using the tools of what kind of made movies special in a spectacle.
3: Yeah, yeah, because again, if they made Jaws now, it, they would feel they need to like, well, the people need the shark, you know, and so it would be CG and it would be I mean, I don't know, like maybe n- not to sound like, you know, Troglid, I'd just be like, you know, CG is bad, but yeah, real light hitting real objects and having fucking restraint. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's similar with um George Miller on Fury Road. Like, there is mm-hmm. use of CG in that movie, but, like, there is restraint. And they tried to do as practical as much as they possibly could, which makes so much of that movie even more fucking insane.
1: Yeah, it, it reminds me mm-hmm. of uh kind of the very early, the two early CG movies that really kind of pushed the boundaries of stuff was The Abyss. And Terminator Two, and it's like those effects still age so well because like everyone on the crew took time to actually make these things reflect light, look like they meant to be in that shot.
0: Mm. Even though
1: you're dealing with like mm-hmm. liquid metal boy and like a a water tentacle, <laughs> <laughs> you know these aren't very yeah. complex things, but they're they interact with the world. Now it's like that is the world and it's almost so artificial. And also talking about destroying you, you know, it's done on the back of, uh, ununionized labor and these people are fucking miserable. And, you know, they, you know, the recent talk about it's like, yeah, this looks bad because we didn't have time to really fix it, Mm -hmm. meet this deadline and shoot it out immediately. And they, you know, when we were already working on it, we got a call that was basically like, no, we're, we're changing it.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. Well, and well, and also because I, I I do like that because Jordan Peele, it's kind of the thing that if you've got a special effect that kind of looks, if you've got a good director who knows how to shoot stuff, it will look good. Yeah. Like, like the effects in the in the thing, obviously, you're fucking incredible. But with you know, or, or like Rob Robbeteen, like making those effects, if it were shot by somebody who didn't know how to do it like the 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 severed head growing the crab legs if shot poorly would look like a fake severed head with crab legs but because john carpenter knows how to use you know lighting and camera and stuff to make a thing look cool like so much of that is just a combination of like actual objects and a director who knows how to shoot them
1: yeah yeah he it's kind of one of those things where like back to kind of the spielbergian spectacle it's like not only is he shitting on hollywood through the metaphor of the movie but he's also kind of being like i don't like how things are now and i'm an actual fucking director and artist i'm just not i'm not clocking in to make an ip movie and then clocking out
2: yeah
3: right yeah I'm trying to communicate an actual experience to other people. Yeah, yeah and- which
2: again is part of the going back to what I said earlier about the whole like I'm not going to hold your hand through the movie kind yeah. of vibe that it is. Like he, like it's an absolute mm-hmm. implicit trust that like you're like you're going to like get what he's trying to say, and even if you don't, you're still going to be along for the ride.
1: Yeah, it hilariously reminds me of uh I finally watched hilarious out of the conan Brenner movies i watched uh i think the man time forgot or something the one almost nobody watches but i never watched big mm-hmm. lebowski and i finally watched big lebowski i'm glad i did it this time and people are like i don't get this movie and i'm like i do it's about class struggle this is a very clearly plotted <laughs> movie about class struggle mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah
3: obviously
1: and so but it's like one of those things it's like you know movies for like a good director will not hold your hand they will visually story tell these things to you and it's uh, almost you know especially since we're dealing with like, the, the strike and all that we've lost touch with that because it's like studio you know studios are ran by people who just want to break it down to the essential parts and turn out money
3: mm-hmm. right right B- a- a- again these are not people trying to create a human experience for people like this is it's about melting a thing down for parts and selling as much of it as possible yeah like you
1: there's definitely a difference in like the early marvel movies (laughs) versus now where like very few of them have wowed me
3: yeah they're yeah i'm not uh,
1: yeah it's like let's just get kenneth branner for no reason to do a thor
2: movie
3: I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, so you know, if anybody can bring the theater kid thunder, yeah, you know, to this thing, it's going to be coming Conner. Yeah,
2: so, I still like the first Thor movie. I don't give a shit what people say. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just
1: pretty unique. It's like almost all those movies in that first phase felt unique to their directors, even if they weren't so solid. Like you know, the one Josh Whedon directed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it felt like you, you knew this was something by bi- weeded you know um it's like everything felt like it had their own voice and you know their own the, like the, the you know everyone in the creative team got to you know put their creativity on it, and as he went on and on and on it's just like where's the creative force behind any of this and now the audience is starting to catch up you know it's like yeah i'm burned out can we actually have something that isn't slop?
2: <laughs> i guess yeah and it makes it frustrating yeah. about like I am in the camp of I fucking love Iron Man Three. Oh, same. Hey, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah and like i so many people got pissed off about that and now are just like, well, everything feels the same. Like, well, you kind of rejected like the one case that was like the in the later cases of like Shane Black's like directorial voice is all over that fucking thing. Yeah, it's so it's
1: yeah. It's one of the last ones that had a directorial voice to it.
2: I will say in yeah. defense of slight defense. Of Multiverse of Madness, the best parts of that movie are when they actually let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi.
3: Oh, doing some Sam Raimi. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, like
2: when when, it's, when the Sam Raimi is fully coming through, it's like, yes, this movie's fucking fun as shit. And then sometimes, like the MCU stuff comes back, and I'm just like, oh my god. I'm I say this as somebody who like I am so looking forward to naya decosta on the Marvels. I want to see what she does with that because I am, mm-hmm. you know, I am the Captain Marvel fangirl of life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh sure yeah it's an important it's an important role I think. yeah
2: but like even i've been kind of burned out with a lot of like the mcu stuff that i'm just like i am i'm here for i am here for carol danvers i'm here for kamala khan and monica rambeau and that's a nearly about it at this point mm-hmm. i will say guardians 3 was better than i expected but i think that is also just again sh- love him or hate him james gunn definitely does have like his own directorial voice that he follows before anything else
3: yeah yeah he has something he wants to say yeah, yeah.
1: he's really good at shooting action as some uh i don't want to get on the side here i feel bad for Zack snyder because he definitely loves movies but he does not know how to
2: speak movie no. no like he definitely shoots like a music video director still which is like that's fine like if like that is your niche like we can't all be david fincher <laughs> i feel like he should have been thrown into a film like alien 3 <laughs> oh yeah like
0: <laughs> oh is, yeah that's that's the is worst
2: worst. Of, that is what forged david fincher in the fire <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah that's that's another ex- that's another experience that david fincher can probably only talk about via an snl sketch about <laughs> david fincher <laughs>
0: yes just, like
3: that's fucking that's brutal. It, that's yeah. Instead
1: of instead of the Dawn of the Dead remake, which sounds like it went more smooth. Oh my god. So yeah, somebody was like comparing the like this one scene from Guardians 3, I think where they're in an airlock or something, they have this fight to like this this the scene from like that's similar to uh in Sucker Punch. Mm-hmm. And all I it was like, well, he's
3: fucking sucker punch. He mm-hmm.
1: stole gun stole this from like, you know, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder did it better. And I'm like, with, okay, first of all, this is John Woo. Yeah. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. You
1: uncultured swine.
3: <laughs> My God. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can see, listen, you can tell from the doves. Of course it's John Woo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the other thing was like, I can follow the action. In what gun was doing? He knew how to shoot action and everything. I'm watching this bit from Sucker Punch. I'm like, "Uh, where's this all going? (laughs) You know, the the number one rule in action is you need to be able to follow the action. It is just like all over the place, and I'm like, I can't follow this. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, it's just noise.
3: It's just visual clutter. Yeah.
1: Again, I feel so bad because he loves movies. Boy, you don't you don't speak the language and. Uh, I want to yeah. kind of
3: it's a yeah
1: yeah because I wanted to talk about- it's
3: like it's like how Elon it's like how Elon Musk wants to be so good at posting and he's just never going to be a good poster no now. he's we'll not had on.
2: enough hardship to be a good poster no
3: yeah yeah exactly and when he
1: does go through hardship he thinks it's everyone else like no you just you didn't hold your liquor around russians
3: yeah. Well, you know, so he he had the experience of uh torturing monkeys with uh neural links when really he should have been traumatized by one uh at a birthday party. Yeah.
1: I kind of wanted to uh wrap I guess up the point of was like Hollywood now and you know when you compare nope is the whole decision making Warner Brothers did going into <laughs>
2: The Flash 50. Oh.
3: Yeah. Just, I which Bo Max keeps threatening me with it, and I'm like, "Not today, motherfucker."
2: No, uh, yeah, same. I'm just like, "No, nope, no, nope, we're not doing that. Stop, stop." You stop that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's
1: basically just like this is how much like movies have become like, not seen as art, but seen as just something to make money from. Is everything going into that movie shouted bad fucking idea? This will bomb. Like your your Justice League movies weren't doing well. You're rushing through this. Uh, your lead actor of this movie that you're hinging everything on after letting go everyone else. It's like, no. We're keeping the one person who is uh, breaking into people's houses. <laughs> like, doing Ted yeah. Nugent like, shit with grooming a, a, a teenager and, and everything. And it's just like... You're you're keeping that that person. You're keeping Ezra Miller, oh, okay?
2: Yeah, so, just mm-hmm. like the the going back to the Batgirl movie for a second, where they, where they would talk about like, oh, well, we had to cancel this because it was going to be damaging to the brand. It's like, how would and, you know? It might have just been a bad movie. I don't know, um but like, I don't see how like that would have been more damaging to the brand than everything that was going on with the Flash. Yeah,
1: it is like. And then when, like, everyone found out about, like, the multiverse scene, and it's like, okay, you're already having people show disgust over the fact that you're just bringing actors to life or, like, de-aging or, you know, and all sorts of stuff. Just just high levels of techno-necromancy. But you not only do that with, like, uh, Christopher Reeves, but you're like putting in like you know adam west and all that and they don't even look good yeah mm. Mm. and it's like it's like this is this if a card kind of have that funny thing of like this is the easiest bag to grab which is key jiggling for nerds
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yeah st- yeah and you
1: somehow fucked it up <laughs>
3: Look at this IP property. Don't you like this IP property? And it's, yeah, yeah it is. fucking unbearable. And it's, and yeah, and it's it's just like. Wait, IP property? That's intellectual property property? Excuse me. IP. <laughs> yeah. Look at this IP. Yeah. No, you know what? I stand by it. Look at this intellectual property property. <laughs> <laughs> you know, key jiggling. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It, it worked on me, apparently. The key jiggling. Listen, it happens It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Let's...
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and, and I guess it's like we're now seeing uh i guess uh, i guess jean jacket itself right now mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want not... to go back <laughs> to this metaphor <laughs> Yep. Yeah. but uh is there anything else we kind of want to want to talk about with the movie or i i think we're at a good wrap-up point
3: though yeah i, th- I think i think that about covers it uh, but, uh ashley what do you think
2: um yeah i think that does cover it i know that we briefly like we have talked a lot about oj i think we we didn't really get a chance to talk about it sid about like the the oj kind of giving off a little bit of autistic vibes yeah we kind of more talked
1: about it earlier i think mm-hmm. with the whole like you know social avoidance oh yeah i definitely think that was one of the things of like jordan peels like he's not gonna hold your hand this guy's obviously autistic like yeah you know not only with the social mm-hmm. avoidance but i just remember you know what is it like he was just commenting about like jean jacket eight
2: yeah just so better yeah. like you
1: that's so matter-of-factly and Angel's like dude read the room <laughs>
3: Yeah, you you didn't need Daniel Kaluuya like turning to the camera and saying, "Hello, it's me. I am on the spectrum." <laughs> like it's if if you like you watch this performance or like you see anything about his character and it's like, oh, yes, no, this 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 is a friend of model trains. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, it's 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 uh, and even in that went over some people's heads. It's just like, why is he aloof? It's like he's he's autistic.
2: Yeah, and like.
3: Yeah, there's a real simple answer for that
1: yeah, one. And yeah, and
2: even, like, the, the bit where he talks about, like, go, when they have to go back to the farm, he's talking about it in terms of routine. Yeah. Of, like, there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's still chores to do. You have to let Lucky out. And, yeah. like, I think, but it's also just that weird way that he's kind of getting, trying to get through to him of just, like, you know, we can't leave this. For multiple reasons, we can't leave this alone. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: you know, also, it's, like, change like he's not dealing with his father's death well he's not dealing with him being out of the house as much he's not dealing with the fact that like you know he you know there's this looming thing that he might lose the farm right he's not handling Mm -hmm. change as well as he should Uh, and then of course people are like well he needs to actually express being autistic it's like no he doesn't you don't need that you don't need that in a representation sometimes you sometimes just need to have it told to you through looking at it yeah. and watching a performance
3: yeah i as a, I mean that's that that's kind of my thing is like i as a non-autistic person myself i feel like there any discourse happening around that on twitter i sort of saw it and was like okay i'm going to read a lot of posts and not fucking weigh in on this. yeah <laughs> it's like for me, I'm like, I don't, yeah, this is, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Daniel Pelley, like, his performance is, if you watch the performance and you don't come away with, like, oh, this person might be on the spectrum, you're just not taking it seriously. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like. Or you think everyone on the spectrum acts like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory.
3: Yeah, yeah, of course, the avatar of, you know, autism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. obvious Obviously, the spokes the spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that's absolutely in the mix. Yeah.
1: But uh, Lily, anything else you uh, kind of want to talk about, or
3: no, that about catches it. I, I fucking fucking love this movie. Yeah. it's so I good. Like it's it it really really holds up to a real. Yeah, it's
1: it's one of things like wow, we could talk about this movie for fucking hours, but then like I think our listeners would kill us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah yeah absolutely and they'd be right to do it but you know what though like michael wincott i would i would be so excited <laughs> yeah please 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 kill me i deserve that. um but
1: thank you uh lillian for once again like joining us on here um and, and coming taking time to coming out and talk about this movie
3: yeah fuck yeah i had a wonderful time thank you guys for having me on. All
1: right um and uh guess i guess because you know this this is coming we're not recording on halloween but this is coming on halloween uh you'll be catching our uh next episode tomorrow (laughs) uh we'll be back to our regular schedule basically so and i think i forgot what it was actually i'm sorry
2: oh yeah uh lillian do you have anything you want to promote on the way out
3: yeah Oh uh, yeah, I um, so I write fi- I write uh, short fiction now. Um, I am in the uh, anthology Bound in Flesh, which is out from Ghoulish Books, uh, edited by Laura Gisleson. Um, it's uh, trans body horror. It's upsetting. I got another thing coming out called. Um, it's a short story from Neon Hemlock uh, in an anthology called Embodied uh, Embodied Exegesis which is cyber, trans femme cyberpunk. It's a whole thing. Um, go and check me out. I'm on Twitter at here lies lil. Well, I'm not on there much these days, but I've got links to other things that I am on, like Instagram. So, <laughs> yeah, check me out.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah. And that's going to wrap up this very extra spooky edition of Rangersplain. Tune in next time when my best friends and hosts Sid and Ashley will review more of the comics with Necessary Evil. I don't know if any evil is necessary myself. Until then, stay safe and may the power of Ninjor
3: protect you!
0: Go!